0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the WRPF podcast. I'm your host, Alex Uslar. Episode 32. All right, like I said last week, we're rolling into a lot of the athletes competing at the Ghost Clash. This week, we got Haley Hill. Haley is a good friend of mine. We've gotten very, very close over the years from her competing at the first Ghost Clash, from me giving her her infamous five-second pause command at the U.S. Open. You know what I mean? Sync life. It has its repercussions. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you guys don't know Haley, Haley has a top 10 uh, placing in the women's 60 kilo all time. She's also a fun fact, actually, that I looked up. I don't know if you know this. But only 42 women have ever hit an over 600 pound dots, and you are Ooh. one of those 42 women. That's that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. that's, that's pretty crazy. But it's also what's really cool is as I was looking that over, so many of it has obviously been like within like the last two years, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's why I like to talk with a lot of the different females about their growth of women's powerlifting, and we got tons of stuff to talk about. Haley and I, we know each other pretty well, but I want you guys to get to know her story. I want you guys to get to know her history. Haley, that was your long intro. Welcome. Thank you, Alex. Alex. Um, So
1: I'll just run right into powerlifting, how I got started. Um, I played sports my entire life, high school. I was a four-sport athlete. I played ice hockey, was my number one sport. Um, Played softball, lacrosse, and then ran cross country. And then when I got into college, I played college ice hockey. Um, And this is kind of how I got into powerlifting. The funny backtrack in high school, they had powerlifting and the powerlifting coach always tried to get me to do powerlifting. And I literally told him I was like, fuck that. Like, I am absolutely not doing it like that is stupid because my focus was hockey. So then. When I got into college, it was my junior year, we were at Nationals, and I just got like my shit rocked, so, like absolutely destroyed, which put me out of hockey. I tried to come back my senior year. Um, but like my equilibrium, everything was just off. Anytime I tried to skate, I would just black out. So for me, that was just like a no brainer. I was done. I didn't want to like the doctors basically told me like, yo, you can play, but if you get hit again, like there's a good chance you're going to be like brain dead. And two, I was like,
0: two questions already, two questions already down. First, in, in high school playing uh, hockey, they didn't have you doing any strength training of any kind. Um, my coach did. Um, so my coach, unlike other coaches, he started
1: with me when I first started and moved all the way up to high school. So like, he was a lot different because he was after practice, he's like, okay, let's go skate. Let's go skate for two more hours. Or like, okay, let's go work out. You know what I mean? So like, he really is the person who like gave me the drive and like the passion to like be the best at any sport I do. Um, But in college, there was more strength training than there was in high school, but it still was very much involved in high school.
0: So before you even started talking about this one debilitating injury that I'd like to hear about, I, yeah. I was going to ask you like, yo, because men's hockey is known for being super fucking violent. Did, yeah. did the women get down too? Were you guys fucking each other up, or it wasn't the same kind of? But there was just those inevitable injuries. Um.
1: Yes or no? So like, I played in Wisconsin. So up north, it's a lot more. Um, women's hockey is pretty brutal. Like, so in college, I was one of three Americans on our team. So you have a lot of people that come from out of state, not out of state, out of country. Yeah. And it's like that in high school, too. So like, as soon as you hit your freshman year, um, if you're good, you can go on a travel team. And then based off the travel team, you can go and basically be like, foreign exchange student and go and live with families and continue that way which i that's what i wanted to do my parents were like absolutely not no one else is raising our kid um but it works out so it was brutal i mean females you're not supposed to check but like they do they allow you they allow you to fight they allow you to do everything um until basically two players drop just like men's hockey
0: (laughs) stick So then continuing on to what you said happened to kind of end your career, what what was that like? You were in a game and you had a, a head injury?
1: Yeah, so we are at nationals. So a rule that many people probably don't know. So females are not allowed to hit from behind. So if you hit a player from behind, that automatically disqualifies you from playoffs. And that's strictly just for like safety reason, because your neck is exposed, your spine is exposed. A lot of things are exposed from behind the way that the gear fits on you um so the girl literally cross-checked me with her stick right um in the area yeah so right on my spine so the initial hit knocked me out and it wasn't like it wasn't my first injury like any hockey player knows like it's not if a concussion is going to take you out it's the concussion that's going to take you out um so it's actually kind of a cool story but not a cool story because nationals are completely structured differently now because of this injury um, because nationals were a round robin, so no matter what round you were in, because we were playing for fourth and fifth place, so literally doesn't even matter who wins, and it was best out of three games, so we were each tied one game each, so you can imagine how brutal the third game was, and I mean I played center, was in the corner, literally head down, which is, of course is my fault, and the girl just came up, cross checked me. You see my body like instantly just go like limp. And then the first thing that obviously hits the ice is my head and it just bounces. Um, So then obviously the game stops. After a while, I wake up in the hospital and they're like, yo, your dad's here. And I like see this man. And I was like, yo, that's not my dad. (laughs) And they're like, what do you mean? They're they're like, they said this is Randy. And I'm like, no, like, I promise you, this is not my father. (laughs) I was like, "Where? like, where am I at? Like, oh, you were playing at Nationals. You got a concussion. And they're, like, cutting all my gear off of me. And I'm, like, freaking out because I'm very particular. Like, I don't like people touching my stuff. I don't want people, like, you know what I mean? It's just, like, how I am. So they're cutting off this expensive gear. They're cutting off your skates, everything. And all of a sudden, my assistant coach comes in. And I'm, like, where am I at? Like, what is going on? They're telling me this is my dad. This is not my dad. Like, so I'm, like, full panic mode. And it was her dad, who was an EMT, who told the doctor's like, yo, this is I'm her dad. So he could be in the room with me because my parents were not in town. They were watching this on live stream. So, yeah. And then we ended up because we were in, I believe it was Arizona, because the doctors told me, yo, you guys cannot get back on a flight. So then it was this huge ordeal that we had the rest of the team were supposed to go back for finals because uh, we're in college and we're all stuck in Arizona because I couldn't fly on a plane. So we ended up staying a few extra days and cross country trip back to
0: <laughs> Missouri on a on a coach bus. <laughs> That's quite the way to go out. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. So if if that injury didn't happen, obviously you started getting into that. How le- that led you into powerlifting? Do you think you would have continued on that trend of hockey?
1: Yeah, I mean, so pro like pro women isn't like. It is up and coming in hockey, but like, so when I would have graduated, like that was the route I wanted to go. I knew it was a route that I was not going to make any money, but I was still very passionate and I just wanted to be an athlete. And that's kind of like how I got into powerlifting is whenever, like I tried to come back my senior year, all like I was out of school for three months because of it. Because every time I just came back, like I would just black out and the doctors couldn't figure out like if I was in light, if sound or anything, like I wouldn't like my vision would just go. So I spent like months going to like brain specialists and everything, trying to figure it out. And then finally, I went to one that my like another hockey player had had almost like the identical injury, like just a freak accident. And he said, has any doctor checked your equilibrium? And I was like, no. (laughs) And so I finally called my doctor up and I was like, hey, like not trying to tell you to do your job. But this hockey player had the same injury. Do you think we could look at it and like see if it's the same thing? And it ended up being the same thing where like my equilibrium was literally just like knocked off.
0: What does that even mean? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But did he knock it back into place or what the fuck well, happened
1: there? <laughs> so like because I, I would explain I was like, well, I get on the ice because I mean, you're on skates that are this thin. You know what I mean? Right. And I was like, I'm like, I, and I tell him, like, I'm in the weight room. My vision's not going like it's now we're at the point where, like, it's just when I'm on skates, which is very dangerous. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be playing and you're like, you just black out. So then he just said, like, for every reason, my balance is just really off. So we started just doing like a lot of like. I think
0: I have for- that. I can yeah. hardly <laughs> even walk in a fucking straight line. My wife always makes fun of me. I'm always fucking tripping. Like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm fucking flippity flopping all over the place. I must have played uh, uh, hockey in another life.
1: Convince. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, honestly, we
1: just did like a lot of like one one leg drills, like just to like try to get my balance and mobility back. And it eventually like lifting's never been an issue for me. Like my vision's never gone. I've never had like, oh, shit. Like I feel weird. Um, I tried to play one time like in a men's league. And I just like I personally knew like something was not right. You know what I mean? Like you just know your body. And so I was just like, you know, what, not worth it to me. I'm good. And then I just like I didn't even know I was powerlifting because like whenever I was told like, hey, like you're probably going to have to hang up your skates. I honestly stopped going to class like I was I was so depressed because like I wanted to go play pro hockey after. And like the only reason I had gone to college was to play hockey. Like otherwise I would not have gone. Like I was very sad, like on the traditional role of not going to college, just like working your ass off and like creating what you aren't. And so, like, to me, I was like, I just wasted three years of my life. What the heck am I going to do? And in college, I was always lifting, like, way more than what my teammates were. Like, so we had to have practice in the mornings. we go to class. Then after class, I would just go to the weight room. And they would just be like, "What? like, yo, what are you doing? I'm like, y'all are six foot tall. I'm five one. Like, I got to get strong if I want to, like, keep up with you guys. So whenever I got injured, I would just, I stopped going to class. I would go to the weight room for, like, Th- three times a day and my coach is like okay Haley like what are you doing like I'm like I don't know like I don't know what I'm doing but this is what makes me happy this is what's keeping me not from going off the deep end and then I decided to drop off of college my senior year got a job at a gym um started personal training and then so do-
0: timeline wise just yeah. to project if you guys don't know, Haley's 26. She's yes, young. very young. All right. Very young. Um, your first competition on open powerlifting is when you were 21. So yeah, all this happened around today, I turned 21. <laughs> all this happened, the injuries, everything when you were like 20,
1: right? Um, yeah, because I went to college at 17. So I turned 17 in March, and then preseason, you have to be at college in July. So I was very young when I went to college. Um so injury happened probably right after I turned 20. Got
0: you. Okay. Yeah. So about a year later, eight, nine months yeah. later, first powerlifting competition. You like, yeah. you moved, finished school, started working at a gym. Let's get into it. Yeah.
1: Didn't, didn't finish school. Still do not have not. Yeah. No school was very, hey. sad. yeah, <laughs> I
0: misspoke. Yeah. I didn't even finish yeah. school. It's all right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have people have tell me every day, like, yo, go finish your last semester.
0: I'm like, I'm good. I yeah. Why? yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's the piece of paper going to
0: give you or change in your life? You know?
1: Yeah. So that's kind of how I got into that. Like, literally was at a commercial gym that was a half mile from campus because I didn't want to be on campus because everyone was like, how you doing? How's the head? You coming back? Like, it was just, too much for me personally because athletes have always just been like a very natural thing for me. I've always wanted to be the best. So like I would do whatever I have to do to be the best. That means like like not going out with friends. Like everyone knows that I'm like I'm a loner. I'm okay with that. Like, I just want to be at home. I want to lift. I want to live my life, and that's all it is. So I like literally dived in that. Met a dude who was also powerlifting, and he was like, Oh, are you a powerlifting? I'm like, nah, I just train. And then he got me into my first meet um, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I think you have open powerlifting up so you can correct me. But I think like right after my first meet, I remember telling him, I was like, I want to go to the curb. And like, which is such an unrealistic goal, your first meet, right? Like, I'm sure you would tell any of your athletes like, yo, like maybe we
0: need to like tone it down. Like, you know what I mean? uh, Like, I'm gonna go. Also, timeline wise, this is 2018, guys. So, if you guys frequently listen to this podcast, a lot of the powerlifters that have interviewed recently are from like, the same era. Me coming up 2014, 2015, rise of powerlifting really happening during 2016, 2017, 2018. You coming into it, were already at a time where social media was really pre- was very prevalent. Uh, uh, there was females like Stevie Cohen and all these people at the forefront. You seeing the boss of bosses, you seeing the kerns. So you right away, you're exposed to it and you're like, yeah, it's next for me.
1: Yeah, like literally that's what I was. I remember telling him, I was like, I want to go to the Kern." His exact words were, "Um, are you fucking stupid? (laughs) I was like, yeah, but like, I'm going to prove you wrong. And literally that's what I, like, I mean, I did. It was a shock for me, for sure, because obviously like a local level meet versus the Kern, which in my opinion at the time was like the Super Bowl of powerlifting. I was like, I don't know what I'm getting into. I don't like had probably the hardest weight cut of my life, which was not like now, if you ask me, I will do anything not to make a weight cut. Like (laughs) um, I would say at the time I thought I did well, but now looking at back, I was just like naive. You know what I mean? I was just so excited to like be around all these lifters that I had saw on Instagram. And I mean, it was fun because like, Now, like I only compete like at your meets or like other top meets because I want to compete with the best. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I think I'm going to win. I definitely know like I'm nowhere near my top, but I want to be around the best so that like whenever my time does come you don't have people be like oh she's squatting high or oh she's like sinking her bench you know what i mean like how i did at the 2018 curd and it was a huge ordeal i like i literally remember having the bench and i was like who the fuck is this guy five fucking second pausing me (laughs) <laughs> nice to meet you. How you doing? Yeah, like, I was so pissed. And then, like, I remember you messaged me and you're like, you're the only person that, like, responded well to it. Like, wasn't a douche about it, just accepted it. Like, and I was like, OK, maybe this dude isn't isn't an asshole after all.
0: <laughs> so leading into that first current, because that was the 2019 current, your first current competing at the one that we met was the 2021 current. Yeah. So the leading that first year of powerlifting, you competed four times back to back all throughout 2018 before competing at the current 2019. How did that, what did that look like getting into the current 2019? I don't remember at that point, was it just a qualifying? Was it an invite thing? How did you make that, that dream happen in literally one year? Um, 2019 was still an invite. So
1: it was, Russell and Gracie V were still running it. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. That, was so, the first year, that was the first year as WRPF at the fairgrounds with that platform. That was yeah. like, this. yeah, yes. In the bear. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And the fucking bear. Um, that's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I had just, I don't even know how like Russell had like, liked something on Instagram and, um, I played with a lot of foreign athletes, so I was used to very broken English. And like, I honestly just understand what he was saying. And I think like, and maybe I'm wrong. I could be completely wrong on this. I think he was just like, yo, someone's actually talking to me and I can hold the conversation. And I literally was just like, yo, I'm going to shoot my shot. Like, I was like, yo, what does it take to get in the current? And he's like, hey, this is how we're doing the rankings. So I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. I knew I was very young. And I knew my body could handle the four meats in a row. Like I would not do that now. Like absolutely not. So like, that was my goal. I was like, okay. I need a qualifying total to be ranked. Like I think it was like top 15 or top 20 per weight class get the invite I could be wrong but it was it was a ranking system so I was just like okay I need to be ranked this in order to get qualified and ended up getting the invite and I was like I didn't even think I was gonna get the invite but I was like okay I'm gonna at least qualify I'm gonna do what I need to do on my end and if they think I should be there
0: I'll be there Nice. I love it. So that was your last meet at 123, right? Yes. Then later that year again, within your first year of powerlifting, now you're you're running the pro circuit, and then you compete at the Power Surge, right? Yeah.
1: Power Surge, Surge is amazing like cuz he was only cuz I was living in St. Louis, so that was only a 3-hour drive, so that was like a no-brainer for me, like being young, being broke. I was like, okay, 3-hour drive is doable, and it was still like surge is a big local level meet, so I was competing against like athletes that I knew could also qualify for the Kern, um, and I knew the judging was way stricter than what I was used to. So obviously, again, a no brainer. I don't. You'll have to remind me of my numbers. I don't. I probably was still in wraps at the time. Hmm.
0: Yep. Still. Um,
1: that's all I remember to Quotted
0: be four Four twenty-four <laughs> benched. 231 deadlifted 418. So, literally, in your second year of competing, a 550 dots and wraps like, pretty, pre- pretty, pretty good.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like, I tell people this all the time, and I tell my athletes this like, if it wasn't for hockey, I don't think I would have done as well as I did right off the bat in powerlifting.
0: Oh, 100 percent. That that not not only the athleticism of it, but also like I think the discipline that you probably got from that sport. um, Yeah. Mental toughness, the rigidity of your body, being able to put your body through intense shit, which as you get to a higher and higher level, it's like that's what you put yourself through day after day. Right. Even going into all your current history of powerlifting.
1: Yeah, I mean, because college ice hockey, because right at this time, college ice hockey, you practice four to five days a week minimum. You have three to four off, off ice sessions, and then you're playing at least three to five games per weekend on top of that. So, like, people don't understand, like, how hard college ice hockey is. It's not... Like, it's not the NHL where you're playing one to two games every two weeks. Like, we're literally practicing. We're on the road more times than we're actually in college. Like, it's literally that you breathe and sleep the sport. Like, everyone did all their classes online. Like, the coach bus, we had, like, six hotspots so everyone could do their classes. And, like, that was the life we lived during college.
0: So, so relatively, honestly, when you started powerlifting, it it was a walk in the park compared to it.
1: Honestly, yeah, because, like... I got out of college like I was never a partier in college like everyone tell you that like I didn't drink growing up I didn't smoke growing up I was like very anti weed like literally which I know you probably laugh at that now. (laughs) Like I did not like at all party once until I was done with college like I didn't drink I mean. I did have my few years of like, OK, I'm going to enjoy drinking. But now, like, it's just it's not for me it's just because I've always been an athlete. That's what I want to do. So it just feels like I'm doing a disservice to myself
0: Fair. So we're, we're at around 2019 right now. So 2018 through 2019. What did your training kind of look like and how did it evolve and how has it continued to evolve as you've continued to compete on average, twice a year, but pretty much strictly right in that second year of powerlifting, you look at your open powerlifting history, it's not something that you see for many lifters in their career, that within your second year on, it's only the high-level meets that you competed at.
1: Yeah, Um. so 2018, 2019, so I was, coaching was weird, because I was obviously seeing this guy who was a powerlifter, um, but I also understand the basics of strength training, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if you know me, which you do, I am very hard headed. You and question
0: it, everything. <laughs>
1: yeah. It takes me a lot to build, to trust someone to know my body. And yeah. so during um, this time period, I actually had met Brad. So he's a key player in this whole story. Um, we had just be like, I had met him in a gym. I was like, who is this dude? Like my form was horrible. Like it was absolutely atrocious. He had noticed that like the training, something just wasn't adding up. You know what I mean? I'm sure when you look at someone in the gym and you're like, yo, what, like, what are they doing? Right. Um, So like this man literally looked like a homeless dude at the time because he had really long hair, really long beard. I make fun of him. He just like was super nice to me. The gym was like, hey, you need a handoff. Hey, like whatever. Didn't think anything of it. Fast forward now. He's my coach after seven years and probably my closest friend. Um, but he's been like a key figure um, because anytime like I would have questions or doubt in training wise where I'm like, hey, this doesn't necessarily make sense or like I'm reading this. I'm like, but this person's telling me this. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm every athlete has this where they're you. I mean, as you say, you outgrow a coach. So the training was very uh, sporadic during that time. I wouldn't say that there was necessarily like a clear-cut program. Like for me, bench, I've always done my bench, um, and it, <laughs> which it, it's really stupid. So like my bench, I would go in, I'm like, okay, if it's off-season, I'm just going to hit a set of five and next week I'll add five pounds, hit another set of five. Like I literally did that all the time. Um, I'll say it works, but then now... Fast forward a bunch of years, I went two years without a bench PR, right? You know what I mean? So then now being older, I realized all the stupid shit I was doing younger because like training, I'd go in and be like, okay, if I have a set of three at like 65%, which is not accurate, I'm just blowing out numbers. I'll do a set of five at fucking 80%. You know what I mean? Like I was, I would never really like necessarily follow the program just because I didn't necessarily like trust who it was coming from. If that makes sense.
0: For sure. Yeah. So continuing through that, uh, something that I'm curious about, a lot of your history was wraps, right? As we kind of go through these different pro meets and then making a transition into raw, what was your training like kind of competing with wraps versus raw? And is it a permanent switch that you've currently made? Um, it is a permanent switch. So raps, I just got into raps because the
1: person who was coaching me at the time, like that's what everyone did. I think around 2018, 19, a lot of the top lifters were still primary in raps because US Open
0: was only raps,
1: right? Yeah. You had Yuri coming over doing raps. Steffi was doing raps. Mariana was doing raps. Cece was doing raps. Yeah. So that was the thing. So I was like, okay, I'll do raps. Um, I will say... I would only do wraps in training. Like, I would not put on sleeves. I would do no training, like, sleep training work. I was, like, not nah, wraps only. But me personally, I did wraps because I hate squat. Like, I have such long legs. I was, like, anything to help me with squats. Like, and that was the only reason. And then the transition now why I'm sleeves only is um, – just like the inconsistency of like finding someone to wrap me I would always just wrap myself and then that obviously takes out like a lot of energy to like your actual squat and I was just having it was last year or a year before I was prepping for a wrap me and like training just went to shit like every every squat session nothing was the same like I'd have an amazing week one week and then the next week it would just like It was just mentally screwing with me so much that I was like, okay, maybe it's just time to take a step back and rebuild my base of a squat. And like, that's literally what I did. And that's when I hired Brad on and we went from a 375 squat and you can quote me wrong to a 424 in one prep. In sleep. Yeah. Nice. Very, very cool. But I also went up a weight class as well during that time period.
0: Right. So that's that's around the the era where we met that the current US Open, you were still in wraps and the first yeah. clash, you were in, still in wraps. And yeah. then I made that switch to raw from there.
1: Yeah. Um. The ghost clash, like the first year, honestly, it was almost a perfect me until I tore my hand. <laughs> but a lot of people tore their hand that year. So, I mean, it is what it is. And for me, I was just like I was done with wraps. In my mind, I was like, okay, this is my last rap meet. I wanna go out with a bang. Um obviously it didn't happen, but I wasn't gonna go ahead and chase that dream to like cause at that time period I was 132, right? Yep, still six. Yeah. 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 So I was like the all-time world record in raps is like twelve fifty one. It may I may be off. It might be twelve fifty seven now.
0: I think Mariana has it, right? The total. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. And so like I would say Mariana and Sergio and I have like a a good relationship and like I would like me being me I would just be like Mariana I'm coming for your like I'm coming for your total I'm coming for your total and like they were like they were super like cool about it they're like we want you to like they would push me and they would push me so like that was my goal at the time was like continue 132 and do the 1251 um weight cuts were coming very very hard for me I was I was at the the cap of 132 and then I had gone two years without a cheat meal to stay at 132 and I was just like, nah, <laughs> no more. I was done. Like I was just like, this isn't fun to me. Like I'm dreading it. I'm not waking up like excited to lift. And like that was like, okay, maybe I need to change my training style, my coach, exactly how I do things. And like literally that's what I did. I, I, fired my old coach and it was nothing like so who I was being coached at the time was Tom Callis and literally like there was nothing wrong with his coaching like we left on very good terms and like I we had expressed to each other like for a while like um like train like he pushed for a while for me to go to 148s and I was very stubborn and I was like no I want to stay at 132 I want to get this record and like he had saw like the the stall happening in training Um, but again, me being stubborn, I was like, nah, like, I want to do this. And like, I thought if I went back to training myself, I could make that. And then I like realized like, yo, I just, I outgrew 132. And so that's when I ended up, um, asking Brad who coaches McKendree. I was like, Hey, I think it's finally time for you to coach me. Will you do that? And he was like, yeah, I will. Because my big thing is I was always afraid our friendship would be ruined because I know how I am as a client. Like I ask a lot of questions. Like I want to know the rhyme and reason we're doing everything so that like if something's off or if something's working, I know why. If that makes sense.
0: I think that's a very important part of being a coach is knowing that all your clients are going to ask questions and also ask questions differently, you know, and how you can sugar coat or, you know, kind of cater your words to them when needed, but also yeah. slot them into shape when also needed. And to be like, shut the fuck up. Stop questioning this. I'll explain yeah. it to, you to an extent, you know, and it's finding that right balance and finding the right person that meshes with you and for you is super important to get your training progressing well, especially when you're at such a high level, you know?
1: And that, yeah. And that was the thing about Brad is like, so we had, trained together literally for 5 years like he was my training partner so like he never coached me he never like and that was the nice thing and i think that's probably why i went with him is like he never was like hey this is wrong what you're doing is wrong what your coach is doing is wrong like he's like okay what's on the program today let's do this if something happens he'd be like hey well maybe you missed this because you got like too amped up you know what i mean so like it helps that we had literally trained together for five years. So like now if a training day goes wrong, cause we live in different States, he's like, Haley, like, do you think maybe you're just being dramatic? I'm like, yeah, I probably was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> You know what I And he's literally the only person that can like be like, yo, you like, like slap me in the face and
0: me not punch him back. Right. If that makes sense. Right. Like, yeah. And that, that that respect is extremely important. Something yes. something else that I noticed in your open powerlifting history, it's very uncommon. I, I, I love to have this open. I like to kind of study it. I'm a big numbers nerd and all that kind of stuff. Um, you don't really see a lot of elite level lifters that don't have a big gap in their open powerlifting or big ups and downs. Yours has stayed very, very, very consistent. So what, what do you attest that to? Have you had any injuries that you've been able to work through? Or has it just been kind of like that resilience that you built from hockey?
1: Um, so many people don't know this. I was born with a really bad bone disorder. So like my entire life, I was told like, yo, you cannot play sports. You cannot have like any contact just because like, um, I'll just give you an example. Like my soft spot and my head didn't close till I was six years old. So like my bones are like basically four to five years behind like what my age is. So Mm -hmm. like uh, I just received my 14 year old molars
0: and I'm 26. Does that mean you're going to live till you're like 120? Like shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wish, but probably not. I have lots of gray hair. (laughs) Um, So like it was for me, I have always been like, it sounds so stupid but very in tune with my body if something feels off i go and get it looked at i've always like spent my money on recovery meaning like massage work like i've always put my focus on the important stuff before lifting where i think a lot of lifters are like okay i have to go to the gym and then sleep is like number five priority and like nutrition is like number eight priority like for me once i realize, okay like I can be decently good at powerlifting, I was like, okay, that means I need at least seven, like, (laughs) you can ask Brian, I sleep 10 hours a night. Like, if I don't sleep 10 hours a night, I am not training. Like, it's just not happening. My body does not function. Like, everything is very regimented to me, um, but it works for me. And that, like, I honestly can say that's probably why I haven't been injured. I mean, I've had your normal tweaks and aches and pains, but, like, no muscle tears, no, like, I had a partial tear in my bicep the 2019 current actually going into it cuz I was going to drop out like 4 weeks out I had went for it was like 231 I had torn it on like I was so mad like it was a warm up and I like felt something pop and I was just like oh fuck because I knew how hard it was mentally for me to try to come back in hockey where I told myself if I ever got injured in powerlifting that would probably be it for me mm. And so I had messaged Russell and I was like, Russell, I'm dropping out. And he's like, what'd you do? And I said, I think I tore my bicep. It's not bruised. It's not off. But like in the video, you can see something happened. Oof, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, well, like, what do I got to do for you to come? And I was like, dude, like, I'm just not coming. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, you're, you're coming. Like, I'll, like, he was like, I will make sure your trip is paid for. And I was like, fuck it. If my trip's paid for, I'll show up to the curb. And so I ended up going to the current alone, like literally alone. I had not trained. I stopped squatting and deadlifting four weeks out because that's what hurt it. Bench didn't hurt it at all. So I was like, fuck it. We're just going to roll. And so then I had remembered going into my warmups on deadlifts. Everyone's like, well, what are you going to pull? And I was like, I don't know. I said, I'm going to try to get my opener so I don't bomb out. And if my arm doesn't tear more, I'm just going to continue to go up. <laughs> And so literally that's what we did. And so then after that, I had just like really, really, like I had focused on recovery prior to that, but then I was like, okay, like I really need to like stay on top of my mobility, my stretching and like all that. So like, honestly, I give all my credit to that. Is just like focusing on sleep,
0: recovery, nutrition and all that. I love it. I mean, it, it's worked and the progress has continued to go up. So taking us to kind of present day, right? <laughs> leading into the next Ghost Clash, where has your mind been? Obviously, over the years, you started powerlifting as a very advanced athlete mentally. You, yeah. did, A lot of powerlifters aren't in that place. And also, you started powerlifting at a time where there's a lot of resources, a lot of people to look at. You were You were in a very fortunate position, which I think kind of helped your career get to where it is today. Right. So now in powerlifting, what, what are your goals overall? We'll get into after we finish this kind of your, your life goals, your business, everything like that. But where, where are you at with all that?
1: Um, As far as powerlifting, like, so when I first started, like as a lot of lifters, I was the mindset where I wanted to like be at the top as, excuse me, as fast as I could. Um, When you realize like three years in, that's not reasonable. So, like, for me, when I finally made the decision, because I started, like, I was 114 pounds in college. (laughs) So, like, when I started powerlifting, I grew into 123. And then I grew into 132. And now I'm trying to grow into 148. So and like, I'm five foot, like, I'm not a tall person. So like, right now, my body is really struggling to put on the weight I'm sitting On a good day at like 150 in the morning, but ideally, like if you're going to be a 148 athlete, you want to be like 156 in the morning. You know what I mean? So my goal, I mean, my goal is to stay raw. My goal is to shoot for the all time world record in sleeves at raw. What is that? Um, hold on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's
1: like the gold, the nickel notes. No, it's like, um, here, I'll pull it up. It's not like unreasonable. So, cause ghost class, you meet last year. So that was Brad and I's first meet together. Um, and it was a very short prep. So we didn't know how things were going to turn out. And we had gone into that meet. Like we had talked about it. He said, Haley, you're either gonna have a really good me, or we're probably gonna have a really bad me because training was completely different than I had ever done. Like everything was just completely different. And I'm a very mental lifter, and that's a blessing and a curse because when you're a mental lifter, usually that means everything's gotta feel right for a good training day to happen and a good meet to happen. And I remember those fucking carpets threw me off in the warm up room. I was like, Brad, I cannot not root my feet. I don't know what to do. Like, I am so unstable because I never trained. For in bench carpets. or for no, squat? Uh, squat. Okay, ah, yeah. okay, okay. And okay. it wasn't like, it wasn't even a bad thing. Like now we have carpets in our gym and I, like, I absolutely love them. And
0: probably because <laughs> you're always on a carpet on the platform. You probably wouldn't yeah. have thought about that so much once you walk to the platform, adrenaline's going, but you're in warm-up yeah. up between you you're like, oh, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I was like,
1: Brad, I literally feel like I'm squatting on my pinky toe. Like what is going on? And right. so he was just like, oh, shit, we're going to have a bad meet. And I was just like, I was like, you know what? I said, no, I said, I'm not going to mentally fuck myself again. Because normally, like, that's what would happen. Like, if one little thing was off, it was just going to derail the entire day. And so, like, we had really focused on, like, if one thing was going to be off, let's not derail the entire day. And so, like, everything was good. I mean, honestly, it was almost we were going into deadlifts. My opener deadlifts, we were we were in attempt to go nine for nine. I had never gone nine for nine in my entire life, ever. And people are like, what? You don't go nine for nine? Because, like, if you ask me third deadlifts, if you're like, Haley, you got it, like, I'm just going to be like, yeah, bitch, I got it. Even if I do not got it. Like, I want to go hard. I will fail on my third deadlifts. And so Brad had, like, really taught me, like, hey, like, let's be smart about our choices. Let's be conservative. Like, because if we be conservative this meet, it means we're not injured and we can focus and push in offseason. So... Then deadlifts happen and my hand tears again. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck man. Like, why? Like, cause this has now been, it would have been the third meet that my hand tore on deadlifts. And so this is just frustrating. So I'm like, what it, like what am I doing that my hand is just tearing? So then he looked at me, I was like, I'm gonna pull it again. I was like, I don't care, I'm gonna pull it again. So I went in the bathroom, wiped everything off, put some chalk in there. Nah, did not happen. So we had change training cycle completely again. And then we had realized that it was a compound I was taking that was making me bloat really bad. And so this off season, we had completely changed everything. Um, Like, I had taken a lot of compounds out that I did not need need that I thought I needed, which literally, I was just holding water in my hands. So you know what happens when you have water in your hands, what's going to happen. Your hands are just going to tear. Right. So then that's why I did SummerSlam right after your meet. Cause going into Ghost Clash, I knew, I said, Brad, I want to take a really long off season. Like, cause we had gotten to the point where like, my body was hurting all the time. And it was from doing the meets to meet, to meet, to meet. You know what I mean? Like I'd never taken a break. And then I was starting to see cause open powerlifting I'm continuing to go up. So I'm like, why would I ever take a break if my progress is continuing to go up? And now the body aches were coming and the progress, I had started to notice the progress stop on my bench. And I had always been like, I love bench to this day. I absolutely love bench. I will bench five days a week and absolutely love every single day. And so I was getting really pissed because my bench was not progressing. And I was like, okay, maybe i need an off season like an actual off season like let my body heal let everything come down so that was the goal going into ghost clash two and then when my hands tore i was like "Brad, i'm not taking a break like i literally texted him as soon as he flew home i was like so there's this meet locally in 12 weeks i signed up for it (laughs) he's like are you fucking kidding me i was like uh yeah i also got your flight so You're going to be here in these days. And he's like, God damn it, Haley. But I had, like, I literally told him, I was like, I promise you after SummerSlam, whether it goes good or it goes bad, I will take the rest of the year off. I will not compete until Ghost Clash 3. And so that's what's been leading up to the offseason. And this offseason, I've, I think we've made some really good progress. We've changed a lot. Um, I'm excited to see what my squad
0: is at Ghost Clash 3. Which is weird hearing from me because I hate squats. I love it, and I, I just I pulled up the all-time world record total. So that's held by Mariana, five hundred yeah. kilos, and your total at that SummerSlam after coming coming back from Ghost Clash, totaling five twenty total five thirty two point five. So it's something that's very realistic if you could just stack those chips across all your numbers and with a good off season, it's yeah all right.
1: It's definitely not like I would say it's not going to happen. At no, Clash, right, right yeah. but it's still yeah. setting
0: you up. You're still so young as an athlete. Yeah, six. You know what I mean. In the next two, three years, you continue stacking like that. You're going to be sitting in a really good position. It's very, very cool to see.
1: Yeah, and that that's kind of like where our structure has been because everyone's like, why? Like, because a lot of people have noticed I'm not competing, and they're like, when are you competing again? When are you competing again? I'm like, oh, Ghost Clash three. Like, what right. about after that? I'm like, probably Ghost Clash four. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like. And they're like what about I'm like probably ghost clash five like I just <laughs> continue taking a year between cause I've noticed I was I hate doing legs. Like I'll be honest like I slack legs so much. Hey, like,
0: I was <laughs> like, squatted in like five weeks dude. <laughs>
1: like when I first started, I'd maybe do a leg day once a month. And that was it. Like, because I hate fucking legs because my legs were so beat up from hockey, like skating every day, like and just bag skating. I was like, I never want to feel that pain again. I just
0: have no equilibrium. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm <try> <laughs> like, like this, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so Brad was like, OK, if we take this long off season, are you going to do what we need to do to get like get the rest of your body up? And I was like, yeah, and that meant fucking doing hamstrings heavy twice a week, which has been brutal, but like has been a night and day difference. And like to me, because like I don't coach my athletes the way that like I trained myself early on, you know what I mean? Because like I've learned from that. So like I'll do my hamstrings and they fucking blowing up. And I'm like, why was I so stupid? Like, why was I avoiding a
0: key muscle that you need for all three lifts? Right. Well, so I'll segue into the next, the perfect next portion. That last meet you did, the SummerSlam 4, that's also the meet where you got engaged, right? Yeah, so you've yeah. had tons of different life changes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Meeting your forever partner, uh, becoming a co-business owner with them yeah. as well. And when you mix in all those factors, competing so frequently, because competing is a very selfish thing in a lot of yeah, athletes. Yeah, selfish. It's not going to mix well. In, in a relationship, it could mix, but owning a business and growing it as much as I've seen you guys growing it, you know, over the last eight, nine months, it's been very cool to see, you know? Um, so that, that took you to a whole other stage now of being a business owner, getting tons of new equipment for your gym, growing your gym, focusing on all that stuff.
1: Yeah. So we had a funny story. I was living in Columbus, Ohio at the time, um, working at rogue and honestly, like I hated the city. (laughs) Like I hate, like, Loved Elite FTS, loved Dave, Dave Tay. I loved working at Rogue. Rogue was probably my dream job. Like, it really was. Like, you knew how much I loved working at Rogue. Like, I loved it. Like, it was... I mean, any person that loves fitness would have loved the job because you're you're just building out custom gyms every day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's amazing. You're spending, like... So, the customers you're working with are customers who are spending $300,000, $400,000 on equipment. So, like... That is fun. So then, but then I had like become very unhappy in Columbus. I had never, I was never lived in a city. Like I was born and raised in the country. I've always lived out in the country. Um, But I had wanted to get away from St. Louis just because like everyone knew me and everyone had like known my ex. And so like, for me, that was affecting my business, honestly. And like who I like wanting to grow as a person and wanted to like grow into a coach So that's why I moved to Ohio because I was just like, fuck it. I need a fresh start. Like I need to be around people that I don't know that don't know like my past that don't know my ex. So I had like literally went on Google one day and was like fitness jobs hiring in the United States, like literally. And it, it was between Columbus and Miami. And I was like, I cannot live in Miami. Like it is overpriced. Like I cannot afford it. So I applied at Rogue, ended up getting the job. A week later, they're like, hey, we need you here in seven days. Wow. I was like, oh, okay. So whatever, went through that time. And then I had, because my parents live in Gulf Shores. So I was like, okay. Um, My dad was super sick at the time. So I was like, okay, I probably want to be closer than 12 hours if something were to happen to him. So I was messaging gyms around the area. And I was like, yo, I need a powerlifting gym if I'm going to move. Because, I mean, you know me, I'm not moving unless I have a gym. Right. Like, that is it. So I had messaged the bar page and I was like, yo, I'm moving to the area. Like, what kind of equipment do you have? And Brian had just moved into the location that we're at now. And it was just him and his mom working. So he messaged and was like, literally interrogated the shit out of me. Like, I was like, who the fuck is this dude? He's like, why are you moving here? What do you do for a job? Like, what is your life story? (laughs) Like, you know, Brian, like, it makes sense, right? Like, I'm like.
0: (laughs) No chill.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I'm just trying to like, like, what kind of equipment you have? So obviously he had the equipment. So I was like, started looking for jobs around the area. And I had saved up enough money that I could honestly live for a year and not work because Rogue had just paid that well. And when I was at, when I was living in Columbus, I literally went to work went to the gym and that's all I did. So I was like, whatever. So I had made the decision that I was going to move down to Florida, be near my parents. And then Brian had just literally not like, kept messaging me every day, kept messaging me every day. And I was like, okay, this dude seems fine. Like, cause I was like, okay, mate, like this gym seems cool. I was like getting to know about it. I was like, okay, I could, I could personal train there. You know what I mean? Like I could build my business around that and then it was like a weekend he's like I'm interested I was like who the fuck is this dude and like I like because I everyone always asks how we met and I was like hey man like I'm not trying to like be mean I said but I move into this area like I don't I don't want to go in knowing someone and like not know anyone's backstory or like not know like the like if they bring drama if they have like you know what I mean like I had dove into relationships in the past with the wrong people that I just like, I was very cautious. That that was not what I was going to do. And Brian being Brian, he was very persuasive. And so we had actually talked for two months before ever meeting each other, which is weird for today's day and age especially like everyone just wants to jump in right away so whenever I had made the drive down and finally moved that's when like because obviously before the two months I was like hey I'm interested too like hey this like we could probably work because like obviously powerlifting is a very selfish sport so to me like I'm okay being alone like I'm, I'm very much like I love being alone I don't like if I'm going to be with someone, I don't want to have to change my lifestyle. I don't want to have to worry about them, like, being worried about me being at the gym a million times. And, like, Brian and I are very much the same person, which is good and bad with running a business. But, like, we have, like, it just works. We have the exact same vision of, like, what we want the business to be, Um He is not a people person and I can be so it it like works hand in hand. Like he's like, Hey, Haley, I need this done. Like, can you go do this? Can you make this vision happen? And I just do it and it's worked.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've (laughs) seen you guys blossom over the last year. And it's been, it's been so cool to see. It's been so cool to get to know you guys, see your gym grow, s- see your guys start your apparel company, start all those yeah. different things and all those projects and see how you guys mesh and work hand in hand is very, very cool. I think having someone who's similar, but also compliments you is, is yeah. super important. You know?
1: It's hard. Cause everyone's like, how do you work with your spouse? And I was like, I love it. Like, I would not want to work with anyone else. Like, obviously, I mean, as you know, your business and your relationship, you're always doing business. So you have to like be with someone who's okay with like, okay, as soon as we wake up at 5am, like we got to start running the business. Like we got to start running emails. Like we got to be, you know what I mean? Like you get it. And a lot of people don't want to live that lifestyle. A lot of people want to have like the separation of like balance, like,
0: there's no balance running I, the business I, I, and 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 also it's I'll tell you that's the true test I've come to find in my relationship and seen with a lot of people is if you can work with each other, but also be together 24 seven. You know what I mean? It's the true test if things are going to work because those people, those relationships that have completely separate careers, they don't see each other for 10 hours of the day when they're at work and then fucking eight hours when they're asleep. And everything seems great for those two hours that they're together four days a week, you know, and And you grow apart. apart, Or then when you start spending too much time together, it's just (laughs) <laughs> you now so yeah it's, it's it's definitely uh it's definitely a test but it's also i think a test to see you know how the longevity will be so i love it i love it's it it's
1: probably been like he's been the best thing that's happened like in my life just because like i mean ever re- like i grew up in a very broken household um i've been very open about that with anyone who asks and it, it like it gives me the like the drive that i have today just because of like you don't want that. You want Yeah, that. like I do not want to live same that. Dude, at all. I don't like. <laughs> yeah, like so we and like Ryan and I have the same vision that as much as like we are successful, we want to continue to like make the people around us successful and like give back to the sport which is very nice to see. Cause I've always worked like, I've also worked with businesses where like they want to be successful, but they're also not going to want to give back. And like, right. I think me having the background and like how I grew up a lot, like, makes me just very grateful. Like, cause I grew up poor. I'm very open. Like I grew up poor. I grew up dirt poor. Like, so the more money we make, the more money we're just going to throw back at the sport and throw back into like everyone else around us.
0: Because and it also, cause I'm the exact same boat. It also makes you appreciate things so, 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 so much more, you know, it, it can go, it can go one of two ways, but I find that most people with a Good heart, or whatever you want to say, with good intentions, when you had nothing and now you have whatever you can want, you know, you just appreciate it, you soak it in, but you don't overindulge, you know? Yeah. Then there's the people that instead start going down that road of overindulgence, greed, everything because they had nothing, you know? But those obviously aren't the people that you're going to see successful for a long time, you know?
1: Well, like, that's the thing is, I think a, pe- a lot of people like looking at our business now that don't necessarily know, like, how Brian has started it. Um, Cause he's on the business now for nine years. He bought it from someone the first up until a year and a half ago, he was working offshores the entire time of running the business. Right. So like a lot of people see now. Cause like we spent $300,000 on upgrading the entire gym this past year. And then we've donated 10 K to McKendree college for the next four years. We just donated 10 K to the ghost clash. And then we just donated to Laura Phelps pro-am meet. So like a lot of people are like, oh, you guys are just like dishing out money. But people don't realize like the years that Brian has sacrificed to be able to like finally build to like do all of this.
0: People think the same thing when they see my gym. I just started paying myself a small salary a few months ago, but for the first you know, the, year, the gym's been open a little over two years now. For the first 18 or 20 months, all the money was constantly reinvested. And still to this day, the majority of the money that's left over, I'm constantly reinvesting in the gym that everyone, when they see everything I have coming in and out, I've literally had people that are like, yo, you do they see my house? even like, yo, Yeah what are you (laughs) actually doing for money? He's like, no, dude, I've been working my fucking ass off since I was 16. All right. No one ever gave me anything to get things rolling. I just started working in a grocery store, started doing all this, stacking my money, saving my money, doing things all the right way. I didn't have to take money from the gym for all that time because I had multiple other sources of revenue. And it just, some, some people don't realize all those different steps it takes, but it will put you in that position where, You are happy, you are content, and you're also able to just kind of spread that elsewhere, you know? It's been, I mean,
1: we have a lot more bigger plans for 2024, but those are definitely kept secret for now.
0: Hell yeah. (laughs) For now right yeah. <laughs> she just announced you know if you guys didn't know it's been announced in the ghost clash page we started by saying haley's competing at the ghost clash uh haley and brian are one of our there are co-title sponsors donating ten thousand dollars to the prize pool we're already just over 30k hoping to make it close to 50 by the time the meet comes around you guys will be there with your uh your bar apparel booth yep. right um Sign us out, Haley. Let everyone know where they could find you, where they could find your businesses. It's been super fun chatting. Loved it. Um. So the business on Instagram is the
1: Bar Strength and Conditioning. Otherwise, the apparel—the apparel, ba- apparel page—is the Bar Strength Apparel, and then my Instagram is Lil Swall too.
0: <laughs> Lil Swall too. I love it. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode, getting to know Haley getting to know someone who's grown in the sport in just a short period of time and been able to give back. I really appreciate you giving us your time, Haley. And I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of the WRPF podcast. Perfect. Thank you, Alex.